from the Collins Hotel in uptown New Orleans where the streetcar rattles by under the lovely spreading oaks. I'm Grant Morris. My special guests here this afternoon on Happy Hour are Michael Jabari, who's a conspiracy expert, a teacher, and the author of the cartoon strip Conspiracy Nut. Will that be an accurate description? Yes, uh, yeah, that, uh, there might be a few others, but... Uh, we can add the rest in the here. moment. On my right is Anna Duggar, the Director of Forensic Chemistry at Loyola University. Hello. Hello, and sitting across from me is Ivan Neville from one of the royal oh, family... The royal family <laughs> of wow. New Orleans musicians oh from Dumpster Funk. Ivan Neville, welcome to the Collins, everybody. Glad and to be here. on the piano is the fabulous Mitch Foreman. It was all going so well up until when I said the fabulous Mitch Foreman. <laughs> he's still playing. Okay, yes, he can't. He doesn't know when we when we start talking. He's not listening to us at all. Okay, thank you, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I could hear you there. I know I couldn't hear a thing. He was lost in your own world playing that. How are you today, Mitch? What? Uh, excellent, excellent. So, Mitch, we're very excited today because we have Michael Dabari here, who is the conspiracy expert. I and, know, and I, we're and we all know what's going on all around the country. It's Occupy Everything. <laughs> okay. So, and Michael just came here straight from Occupy NOLA, correct, Michael? Yeah, that's correct. We were uh, in front of the Federal Reserve uh, uh, Banking Building t- today on Poydras in uh, St. Charles. And what's your position on Occupy NOLA? Are you in favor of it? Or you think it's a conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> the Federal Reserve Bank absolutely is a conspiracy. That's a, that's, that's the a given. The Federal Reserve Bank is a conspiracy. I knew it would only absolutely. take 45 seconds, and we've got one already. Well, What's the conspiracy about the Federal Reserve Bank? Well, it's not federal, for one. It's, uh, is it a bank? It is a privately owned bank. Okay, that's true. What about reserve? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. There is no reserve. That makes no sense to me. Ivan, you don't We're believe borrowing it? money from some who who owns the federal. Reserve? We don't know. It's, it's never it. been audited. You know, my cousin Ian hit me to that fact. I'm like, wow. So we like, there's somebody. So Ian's a guitar player in your band. Yes, right? yes. Now, how old is he? He's like 20, he's, 22. Yes. Oh, no, no, he's 28, something like that. 28, 20, and he knows all about the Federal Reserve Bank. He, he's just, he's a smart young kid, young kid. He's a great guitar player. Yeah, he is. Well. Yeah. Excellent. And what does he say that the Federal Reserve Bank is a he sham? He told me. He told me that it was pri- privately owned. Uh, thing that we borrow money from someone that somebody owns it and who that is i have no idea michael who is crazy i thought we are the federal reserve bank as citizens no to a point of fact the federal reserve bank uh, has never been audited we don't know who owns it wow well that's creepy that's also it's also crazy isn't it because isn't this it's one of the biggest frauds ever perpetrated upon ah, the American public or the world. Fantastic. It's the, one of the biggest frauds ever perpetrated on the world. Absolutely. Is the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States. Absolutely. Why wouldn't the United States just own it? Are you thinking, that who, who would you think owns it? Well, if now we're getting to the deep conspiracies, aren't we? Um, <laughs> because they are indeed the head of the snake. Thank you. Uh, they are the head of the snake. It's the conduit of the funding. I mean, uh, uh, Ansel Rothschild said that... Uh, you give me the power to coin a nation's money, and I care not who makes their laws. So in 1913, the Federal Reserve Bank, on uh, Christmas Eve, uh, December uh, 24th, uh, the yes, central bankers, yeah, the federal bankers of the world paid off uh, three congressmen to remain in session, and they voted in the illegal Federal Reserve Bank. And since that time, they have uh, gained control of our entire monetary system wow. and put us completely into debt we well, will I never be able to pay off. I notice that the word Rothschild comes into it already. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Well, how did the, how did he get involved? With it? Well, that's not too hard to figure out who the richest people and richest bankers in the world are, and they control uh, the Bank of London, which, of course, uh, you know, is the if you want to look at the three major cities in the conspiracy of the New World Order. It would oh, be, yeah. well, I told you, I'd go to some places, that, you know, but I have a $100 bet in my classes that it, uh, anything I say, because I deal in conspiracy fact, not fiction, not theory. Uh, okay, this is all fact. Then. Oh, absolutely. So who, che- who checked it out? Well, is any... It's on the internet. Yeah, they, it's not. This is public record. A lot of the stuff is, I mean, you okay. can watch several documentaries and easily come up to speed on this. I recommend uh, The Secret of Oz is an award winner Uh America, freedom to fascism, the money masters. How did, how did you get to be a conspiracy believer, in fact, like this? Because most people don't believe what you're talking about, I'm sure, do they? They think oh, it's crazy. Well, who's most people? The people I do. Well, take do. a vote. Take a vote here. How many people yeah. at this table believe that the Reserve Bank is owned by some sort of foreigners, the Rothschilds and so on? I'd, Nobody's hands going. No, well, I'm open to hearing unlikely. it. I'm yeah, open. Mitch, okay. Mitch is open to it. Anna, do you believe I'm, it? I'm open to it, sure. Okay. Ivan? I'm going to agree. Okay. So it's only one and four. What about you guys in the tech room? Yes? They both, they both, everyone's agreeing that the, the whole of the American economy is based on some sort of, who is it? If the, I would the have asked, and the Jews or something? If I would have asked this question uh, even five years ago, uh, do, you know, do you think the Federal Reserve Bank is federal or not? Uh, I would guess... Ninety-five percent of the people didn't know that the Federal Reserve Bank wasn't federal, but thankfully, and I kind of liken the internet to the LSD of today. You know what? You know what LSD did to us uh, in the sixties? Positive and negative, right? (laughs) Well, indeed. Well, as far as consciousness raising, you know, being uh, other perceptions of reality, uh, the internet certainly opens up the avenue to look at. Other dimensions, other. Well, this could be the avenues. problem. How much LSD did you do? Oh, yeah. enough to turn me uh, into the shell of the person that I used to be. Yes. You know, I mean, <laughs> so you've been. You came up in the sixties when the, the, the first revolution occurred. Right? I've been fortunate enough to live to through two consciousness raisings. I see this uh, the, the one that went on in the sixties, and I believe that we're going through another one now that'll shake the world forever, and we're going to look at changes shortly that uh, I don't think the best analysts have a clue to can come to grips with what's going to happen. We're going to go through some tumultuous changes. How far, we how far away is that? Like, uh, by, by Tuesday? I say it's happening right now. Uh, we're going through it right now. This is what the awakening is. This is what people are on the street uh, talking about because the knowledge is there. And knowledge without action doesn't mean anything. What we're doing now is seeing action. We're looking. We're looking at people that are. But we don't have any. Grants. We have no knowledge whatsoever, though. Nobody. Nobody knows anything. You just admitted that. Oh well, that's that, again. What perspective? Who you're speaking to? As well, I said, just, so we don't. We, we don't even know who. Five owns years. Bank, right? Now we know that we don't know. Isn't that kind of well? Point? As I said, five years ago, ninety-five percent of the people I talked to didn't know the Federal Reserve was federal. Now I would say that eighty percent, eighty-five percent know that it is. And uh, it's direct... Uh, no, that it's not federal. That Yeah, that it is a privately owned bank. But we don't know who owns it. We still don't know who Well, if you ask the President of the United States, what would he say? He wouldn't know. Wow. He wouldn't know. 
I mean, if he wouldn't know, the, no, he couldn't okay, know. He wouldn't the, know. He couldn't know. I can't find. I can't believe this. What is the official answer as to who owns the Federal Reserve Bank? It must be the official answer. Must be it's owned by the United States government and people. Sure. Well, they give uh, bland answers that you know these stockholders are you know financial institutions, kind of sound financial institutions around the world, and. Don't worry about it, folks. We're taking care of everything. Just look around how great everything is. You know, so... <laughs> it's, what is, it's it, what big, is it like in other countries? Oh, well, that's the... Yeah, the central bankers are trying to form because they all work. Our Federal Reserve is connected to the uh, IMF, the World Bank. Uh, you go to you know, most of these people coming through the CFR, uh, which is a semi-secret CFR uh, Council on Foreign Relations, who is really our shadow government. They are the people that run oh everything. Goodness. You can look at the, shadow government. Yeah. Hey, Ivan, do you guys talk about this sort of stuff in the band? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, you know what? Actually, every now and again, my, my, me and my cousin Ian will will get into some conversations about stuff like this because he reads a lot, and I read I, I read mostly fiction, but he reads stuff like some of the I don't know if some of the books you mentioned that you could he he's read one book that hipped him to a bunch of stuff, and it was some you know skull and claws uh, uh, what uh, skull and bones skull and bones mm-hmm. stuff yeah. in the New World Order. That kind yeah, of stuff, and, right. and he he shares that stuff with me, and I'm, I, I, I'm you know I'm I'm inter- I'm very interested in in things that you know of that nature. And do you do you? I mean, you're traveling all over the you're traveling all over the world actually. Yeah. In, in the band dumps, the funk. And do you do you find anyone with this the consciousness raising that Mike was talking about is percolating anywhere? Um, you don't really hear it uh, much, uh, much about stuff like this. You, you, people are uh, afraid to talk about stuff like this for the most part. People don't want people want to believe that everything's okay, and that's just you know. And basically, I guess being a musician, I guess part of my job description is to help people to to think about just some you know. In a way, music just kind of soothes you for the moment and gives you some. Get you, get, you can escape a little bit of what your everyday life is about and all that stuff, which is fine with me. But you know, there there lies you know uh, some facts and some some unknown uh, uh, you know uh, theories and whatnot uh, that things are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. well, so, you know, you've brought, things are you've pretty sang bad. songs. Your your band, you've written. Songs we write songs. That I mean, political some, some things are very. We do have some yeah. some little common. You know, when you, I guess, when you're writing a song, you can say something. So why not say something that maybe matters or maybe somebody might hear? We have some little subliminal things that we say. We try not to be preachy about it, but we we pretty much a, a lot to talk about stuff. So when you sit down to write a song, you're trying to say, you are trying to say something. You well, have a message. You, yeah, not it's, it's not like a conscious uh, thing, right. but it's like, well, well, I have I can say something, so why not say something that matters? Well, because we were just saying that one of the jobs of a musician is to take us away from worrying But see, about that's the thing about Dumpster Fog. Our band is that you can, it, it's music to dance to and think to as well. You can think, you, if, you, you if you're not a little too lit, you know, a lot of times, <laughs> sometimes we play the people who really don't care what we're saying and there's a <laughs> lot of them don't but there's the few who do listen and they say wow that listen at that the message there's some lines through. in some songs like this one of the uh, the song uh, or this, this this new CD uh, our latest CD called Everybody Wants Some and it was this, the song called Everybody Wants Some and if you look at the cover we have the dumpster funk and we have a picture we have some money 
We have a, a naked uh, yeah. lady, a scantily clad lady. We have a picture of some cards. some so, sort of a drug. We and have they, some uh, we have some cards. We got and they, we got uh, what do we got? Uh, what's oh, that? Baseball? Or no, that's 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 the Lombardi that's, Trophy, right? No, that's just yeah, that's the Lombardi Trophy. That's 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 you got to sneak that in. That's just something. And the ass and dumps the funk is a dollar bill. Exactly, and we got the Statue of Liberty somewhere and all this crap. And basically, that song it's a fun song. But the lyrics are pretty, we talking about everybody wants some. Let's take a listen to it. Please do. Oh, oh, oh. 
Some spelt S U M actually. Yes. You notice uh, what was yeah. going on around the table while that was playing? Everybody was enjoying that. Everybody in the whole place here was. And Ivan, you enjoy that as much as anybody. You still love I'm a, that song. I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> of music. Fan. No, I'm a fan of music. I mean, it, yeah. it just so happens that okay, I help write that and whatever and blah blah. And I'm you know. Yeah. I tell you what, when I listen to it. Most musicians, when you have it on, you put their song on, they take the headphones off, and they walk away. No, that's, you, know, you still love it. I, yeah, I like that. It's good music, I think. Yeah, you know? Would you listen to this music? You'd listen to this even if you weren't in the band. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's one reason why I play with these guys, because I'm fans. I'm, I'm a fan of, the, of the, the guys that play in the band with me. So that's what makes this band fun. It's like we're, we're, when we're playing, I'm like up there listening to them. Like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, they're good, you know? And you can still yeah, do that. Yeah. You can still well, enjoy yourself. That's yeah. what it's like when you go see dumb stuff. It looks like you're enjoying yeah. yourself on stage. Mm-hmm. Why you're not deaf, though, I can't understand. Well, I'm, I got some missing, some frequencies I do not hear. I'm, that band I'm is sure, loud. Sure. Yeah, we, we are. <laughs> we, are we are a bit yeah. loud. We got the two bass players, and sometimes it gets a bit, you know. Yeah. That's a big band. That's a great yeah. sound. So that, the record's out now. Yeah, yeah, that CD is available. And we were just yeah. talking, of course, you know, while the song was playing at the end there. Michael, you were saying that you play, I mean, Michael was playing drums on the table, saying you were James Booker's percussionist? Yeah, the last, yeah, the last percussionist for James Booker. If anyone's listening to this and doesn't know who James Booker is, Ivan has James a Booker is obviously one of the, is probably, arguably the, the greatest uh, piano player that New Orleans has ever seen. And I mean, this is a town full of great, uh, that has produced many great piano players, like Professor Longhair, mm-hmm. and the late great yeah. Professor Longhair, Alan Toussaint, Dr. John, Art Neville. Gotcha. Uh, what, huh? You. Gotcha. Who is it? Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Who? Gotcha. You understand what he said? I don't know, but. Gotcha. Oh, all right, all right. And, um, okay, throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. Put on the <laughs> Okay, I'm up there. I'm up there. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, but James, James Booker, Booker was the, the guy one. that he, he played. 
he had this thing where he could play, he could mix classical pieces with some boogie woogie, with some soul, with some rock and roll, and he mixed it all up. And he yeah. had fingers where he would play, so and it fast. would sound like four people were playing together. So fast. And the cool thing about it is he he went to he went to grade school with my dad, and he went to your high. Da- school. Your dad is Aaron. My dad's Aaron Neville. He went to high school with my mom. And he and my mom took piano lessons together. Wow. Oh they went God. to music school at Xavier University, and they both took, had piano classes at Xavier University, yeah. my mom and James Brooker. Although my mom said she's got stories that she, uh, that she, that she told me about the, that James Brooker pretty much knew more about the piano than the teachers did at the, at the school. <laughs> I would imagine. Did, your mom, a, yeah. did your mom play as well? I didn't my know mom, mom played as a kid, and as a matter of fact, I mean, she, you know, she never went anywhere you know, where, where with it, but she could sight-read a, a tad bit and play a few songs, some well, classical stuff. Wow. And there, the piano that was always in our house was her piano. It was her childhood piano. Wow. That's the one I learned how to play on. And what Thanks about, to my mom. What about your dad? What, did he have a, come from a musical family? His, yeah, well? his brothers. His brothers. Well, the brothers, his of course. Brothers, the Neville brothers his, is the most famous. We were, we all, we're also, we're also his, my dad's mother was, um, they, her and my uncle, Uncle Jolly, my, I had an Uncle George Landry, who was the big chief of the Wild Chapatula's Indian tribe. He and, and my grandmother, uh, uh, Amelia Neville, they, they, they were brother and sister, and they, they used to perform like in minstrel shows, like back in the days. Wow. They would go and do stuff like that. And my grandfather, wow. my dad's dad, was like a shower singer. He was the guy who sang in the shower. <laughs> so that's about as musical as I knew about him being. But all those guys played, you know, my, all my uncles and my dad. Do you remember up. growing up when your dad, Aaron, became famous, when he got super famous? Yeah, that's a different version of the story that you, for me, it's, it's not quite, it's what's not your, quite, what's my version still, what would happen was my dad, I knew he was a singer, you know, obviously he, you know, he, I knew that's what he wanted, that's what his profession was, but he had other jobs as well because the music wasn't paying so well right. in his case, and a lot of, a lot of uh, artists, musicians, especially you know in New Orleans and a lot of places they, you know that in, in back in those days they got some raw deals mm-hmm. where yeah. they maybe had made a lot of money for someone else so he had um, the, his first bit of like fame really was I mean that, that was no, that he had a record tell it like it is that was a number one or number two record in the country mm-hmm. he didn't have at the time when that record was out hitting on the radio he didn't have any money we were living on Valance Street in the half side of a shotgun double house, and we didn't have any money. And you remember hearing that song on the radio? That song was on the radio. It was a big hit, and and but he did get some work from that, you know. But it, it, the business side of it was not two together. And somebody, how, how did how did he feel about that? And how did you? I'm, he it? was pretty bitter about it. I, I, you know, I saw you know there was some some things that went on sometimes where you could tell that he wasn't too happy about some things. And how you know? old how old were you then? When that record was out, I was probably six, six or seven years old. But you remember that? Yeah, you remember I remember that, that yeah. yeah. Were, were people regarding him as a superstar in New Orleans then? No, no. Everybody knew that he was great and he was an amazing singer, but everybody knew that something was wrong in the way things were going. So who made and all the money? Um, actually, it was a weird. I mean, as far as I know, the story that I know, what happened was when the record came out and was became a hit, they were playing it on the radio stations like... Um, there, was a, there was payola back in the day. They would pay people to play records. But this was a record that somebody got and liked it and played it. 
and it became they were requesting it, and it became a hit. But you couldn't buy a copy of it because the record label had went bankrupt. <laughs> yes, and so supposedly somebody, I don't know if it was some gang, some gangster thing stuff involved, but somebody stole the masters or something and got them and then printed this record up. I, it was some very it's like a movie, some some, some skanky stuff going on. I don't know the exact details, but it was something like that where. And then all of a sudden the record was available and people did buy, and it did sell probably, of, I guess, a million copies, which was a big deal back then. But he didn't make a, a, a lot of money off that it. That came later on. It, it's he a, made money it's later it's on. part of the conspiracy. Exactly. It's, no, that's... Hey, 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 there no, we I'm, go. I'm with you. I'm with you. Absolutely. That, indeed, that, that's the... The music industry has probably been one of the most exploited. Yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. Channel. I mean, that's just a disaster. Where Claire Channel is a disaster. I think so. Oh, mm. indeed. Indeed. Well, it, indeed, what you're looking at, 95% of everything we hear, read, and see now is controlled by six major corporations. Yeah. And, uh, right. Yes. And so, you know, that concentration of mind control is why a lot of why we're battling. But isn't that the capitalist system that's working? Well, isn't yes, that why we fought the Cold War so well, we wouldn't indeed. just have six companies? And this and is where I do have a contention with the occupation uh, uh, movement right now in the sense that there are factions in there. And this is a, uh, who controls the message. Uh, there are factions within this movement that are trying to blame capitalism and Wall Street. These are broad terms. Well, it's called Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, indeed. But uh, the uh, initial attack on it was to the Federal Reserve. The not all Wall Street, as like not all capitalism, is bad. You, what is wrong with the system yeah. is the monopolization of capitalist in, in capitalism. But how do you stop that happening? Well, start throwing people in jail would be a good idea. I mean, we have to ho start holding people accountable. I mean, For what, what, what is their crime, though? Fraud, fraud. murder, theft. Murder. murder. Absolutely. Who's, who killed who? Well, I would think at Holder and uh, right now the Attorney Eric Holder, General. who's the Attorney General of the United States. Could be, could be held someone. for accessory of murder right now. Or look at Fast and Furious. We just admittedly uh, armed gun uh, 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 drug lords yeah, with 30,000 guns okay, that, that came back to kill us. Suppose that's really true and that just happened six weeks ago or two years ago or something even. Okay, That's not the problem. That's not what's caused six companies to control everything we read, see, and hear. Well, it's again, it's accountability. We're, and when there nobody's, when nobody well, in high throw, office, who are you going to throw in jail for that? That's the thing. And how do you how do you undo that now? Well, you start enforcing the laws that are already in the books. The laws are not being enforced; they're be selectively enforced. In other words, if you give you an idea, well, you'd be in jail if they were all being. Enforced oh well, yeah. If either, if either one of us, if either one of us went ahead and sold guns to Mexican drug lords right now, we'd be in jail before the sun went down. Yep. But here we have the government of the United States using our money to arm Mexican drug lords on the uh, what assumption that they're going to track these guns and then arrest them when they get them in their hands when they did nothing from the sort. Yeah, but this is every couple of years we have another one of these stories and we find out the crazy things our government is doing and it's shocking and ridiculous and you you, you can't. Kind of come to expect it, don't you? I mean, is that so surprising that all this crap is going on? Well, isn't That's that a sad state of affairs then that we yes. come to accept this? Isn't there a yes, time that, that you get in the streets and you stand up and you throw yourself on the machinery and you say, we're not taking this anymore. We want to see some people go to jail. Eric Holder is indeed, in my eyes, uh, looks like he's guilty of uh, accessory to murder. But I would like him to be held accountable for that. Okay, but what is that really going to do, though? 
I mean, it's going to, Eric Holder is going to be the, It's going to scare the hell out of you some other someone else isn't going to come up and do the same thing, the next secretary Are, are we justice? supposed to just lay back and accept the criminality that is supposedly rampant in it? Oh, well, it's always going to be there, so let's just accept it. I, I mean, I don't accept that chain of thought. No, I'm saying if you're going to really talk about change, what is real change? Real change is not throwing the Secretary of State in jail because there's going to be well, another her Secretary. too. This, I mean, the se- <laughs> oh, sorry, I mean the Secretary of no, no, she deserves Justice. To be in jail also. Uh, Hillary Clinton should be in jail too. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, all right. Well, can we, let's, can we come back to that in a minute? Sure. First of all, let's take our minds off it completely with Mitch Foreman playing some jazz for us. What do you think about uh, oh, that for oh, yeah, an go idea? Play, Mitch. Hey, here you Mitch, go. what are you thinking of playing? I'm going to play a song of mine called Nimbus. Nimbus, and then we're going to come back and talk about why Hillary Clinton should be in jail. <laughs> oh, oh, All right. Okay. And Obama. This is a preamble. And Clinton. Oh, okay. And Bush. I mean, you know. Okay, hold on. Beautiful. Yay. Thank you, Mitch. Nimbus. Thank you. When did you write that, Mitch? Oh, a long time ago. Uh, ten years at least. All right. That's a beautiful song. 
So before we uh, come back and talk about uh, why Hillary Clinton should be in jail, and then while, Mitch, while you were playing there, um, Michael handed us all information that proves that 9-11 is a complete conspiracy as oh, well. That, see, now I really believe that too. And okay. So before we, before we get back, let's get on to 9-11 in just a minute, Ivan. Is that okay with you? We'll come back to that. But first yeah, of all, Anna, I want to talk to you, Anna Dagger, because you're actually a scientist. Yes. Unlike these guys, Michael's <laughs> just a nut, Ivan's a musician, but you're <laughs> actually a scientist. And so I'm, I'm the token scientist for well, the you, you're, you're like the CSI person of New Orleans, right? Uh, more or less, except I don't wear uh, stiletto heels on scenes and they never let me have a Hummer. The car. But has that show made life worse for you? Terrible. What, what? I can't watch it. I break out in hives if I watch CSI. <laughs> Are you allergic to anything else besides that? Um, latex. You're allergic to latex? Yeah, really inconvenient for this field. Oh. <laughs> so you can't, you can't wear rubber gloves? Yeah, I have to do nitrile gloves. I can't do standard latex gloves. What are they called, the gloves? Nitrile. What is that? It's, a, it's another. Um, it, it behaves the same way. It's a little less stretchy. <clears throat> Um, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't know the difference unless you saw the name on the box. So you put on those rubber gloves like they do on CSI, and then you, your hands will break out. And if I if welts. I wear the latex gloves, yeah. How'd you find really? that out? I guess early on. I, well, yeah. I, I started. It's funny that now we're talking about 9/11. I started working um, at the office of chief medical examiner in New York City, which is the group that did all of the DNA identifications for the World Trade Center disaster. Um, I had actually left about 10 months before that happened. But um, while I was there, I, I was starting to get, um, just my, my hands were starting to get really eating, eaten up. And I thought, well, you know, sweet southern girl comes up to cold, wet New York. It's just, it's cold and my skin is cracking. And it turns out, no, I, I actually, I've managed to expose my system to the latex proteins, and now I'm allergic. So. How did you, well, you know, you really, how did you get a job like that with that? Was it with the NYPD or? Um, no, the, it's it's with the Office of Chief Medical Examiner. Um, the the DNA lab for all five boroughs in New York is is through the Medical Examiner's Office, not through NYPD. Um, NYPD also has a, a major lab, but that's not where they're doing DNA. So you look like a pretty normal, sweet, ordinary person. You've got some sort of ghoulish side to you that. What's, what's the line from Wednesday Adams? We all look normal on the outside. Something like that. <laughs> and, and you, uh, so you have some sort of attraction to gore and... I guess. It just doesn't bother me. I, I try telling people. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, here starts the eye rolling. Um, no, it's just like you know, some people are scared of snakes and some people aren't. I mean... There's one thing to be scared of. It's another thing to be attracted by it. Yeah, well, you do have to be a particular kind of mindset. You know, you walk into a room and it's covered in blood spatter and your reaction is, cool. There, there's, yeah, there's probably something a little off with all of us. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. No, sorry. That's, I'm freaking hey. Ivan out. I'm no, sorry. No, you're not freaking me out at all. No, no, he's excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by this kind of sort of stuff. So there you go. So this is so yeah. is it something? Is it something you watch on television? I watch all that kind of stuff. So you love you really? I watch. I like. I love Dexter. That's my. Oh, it's my favorite. That's so good. Don't oh. tell me anything though, because I'm a whole season I don't behind. Know, I'm way so behind. I'm way behind. Okay. I've only watched the first two seasons. I just got them on I'm DVD. I'm waiting to finish all of them before I come back. Yeah. You should borrow them from me. You have them. Yeah. I, I want them. Awesome. I'm up. <laughs> so is Dexter r- real? Um, they do a pretty good job. I was about three quarters of the way through the first season before he said anything where I was like, no, you can't do that. Wow. So that's, so that's pretty good. So you spend show. all day looking at gore and, and ghoulish things and then you go home and watch it at night as well. Well, a, a little bit less now because now I'm a full-time academic. So I don't, I'm not out in the field much. I'm not doing casework much anymore. I'm telling the students about all the gore they can expect to see. What made you want to move from being in the field and doing actual hands-on gore to just teaching gore? Um... Ooh, that's that's a little <laughs> complex. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was with NOPD for um, since two thousand three. The and New Orleans Police Department. Yes. Yeah. Sir. 
And um, and then in nobody busted you doing anything wrong. No, they haven't caught me yet. Haven't, you, haven't got, <laughs> you, you got away with the money, all right? Uh, sure. No, there's, there was never any money. <laughs> but um, so uh, let's see. So in 2010, um, I had been adjuncting at Loyola, teaching their forensic methods class in the forensic chemistry section, a uh, forensic chemistry department. Um, I'd been doing that since 2005. So they were really looking for someone to take the reins full-time and go after accreditation for the program and, and try and beef it up a little bit. And I was about that time, I was starting to get a little fatigue. I was sort of ready to, to try something different. The, running the lab for three years, I, I hadn't slept through the night in three and a half years. Really? They thought, wake you up in the middle of the night, the crime lab? Yeah. Someone got shot, you have to go out. I get notified. Well, I used to get notified by BlackBerry for every, uh, every shooting and every homicide in the city. So. Wow. What? I tried to make most of them, but by the end your of it, there was no way. Your thing would like ring or buzz or something every time someone got shot in New Orleans. Yeah, my friends hated that. <laughs> your friends hated it. I, must, I would hate it myself. Are you married or what? No, poor no, people I'm got not. Shot. You're single? Yes. Do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or anything? I have an It's Complicated. And It's Complicated? <laughs> <laughs> what did the It's Complicated think when hanging out with you and, and there's a... <laughs> <laughs> and there's a Thanks, gu- Mitch. And, and there's a gunshot, and you have to go. What did you have to do when you got that? Um, well, most so uh, when I started with the department, I was actually a, a crime scene technician, and that was after I'd worked in the lab in New York, and I'd worked in the lab in Florida, and then when I came to New Orleans, I went straight to field work. So I was working as a crime scene tech, and in that case, you don't get called out after hours; you get whatever comes up on your shift. So if it's a car break in, you do the car break in. If it's a homicide, you do the homicide. And then I moved from that into um, what's called the Forensic Light Unit, what was called the Forensic Light Unit. And that's um, advanced crime scene services. So usually um, I'd get a call for something high profile, and we'd make arrangements for me to go out um, uh, either on my own or with assistance at a later time, a couple of hours later. So I'd have some time to get my equipment together. When I was what's, di- what's your equipment? Um, for the Forensic Light Unit, well, we could be doing... Um, latent print technique, so I might need um, a hot plate and cyanoacrylate, which is super glue. Um, I might need the fancy lights. I might need chemicals to develop blood spatter. So that was the forensic light unit. Once I was director of the lab, you know, now you're admin. Now you're supposed to wear heels and push papers around a desk. So um, It's like bones. I, well, yeah, well she's, she gets to do more hands-on than you, when you're running the show. It, it was, that, was, that was really hard for me not to be... I, I think it would probably be like in, not playing music anymore, Ivan, but telling other people how to do it. And that's hard. It, it's, it's good when you feel like you're making a difference for the people who are actually performing or, or doing their jobs, but it's, it's hard to walk away from it. So in that case, in terms of... Why did you walk away from it? I really felt I could make a difference. Um, It was after Katrina. Um, I'd already been really involved with um, the recovery efforts. The lab went under five and a half feet of water. Um, So we had to replace all the equipment. We had to replace the building. Um, All of the staff were displaced. So I'd already been involved with that. And and then I really felt that um, I could translate for the analysts to the police administration and really serve as a bridge where everybody would understand better what was going on and, and get some of the things that we needed. It's a sort of serious job. Yeah, it well, was. I was sitting here with our sort of, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> sort of little humble. Oh, no, <laughs> because I do all my stuff in private. These guys are doing everything out where they can ever, they're, they're seen all the time. I think it doesn't it's much really more matter demanding. what happens to, if we didn't ever go to work again. I would care. I would definitely care. So um, tell me this, then. every time there's a police uh, case we see here in New Orleans and mm-hmm. the NOPD is involved and they have all this crime scene information, it doesn't ever seem to make any difference. They still want witnesses all the time. The people don't go to jail based on the, the blood spatter, it seems, unlike television. Um, 
That's not been my experience, but maybe oh, that's okay. how it comes across. That is how it comes across to me. Does it come across to you guys like that? Well, I just had a friend of mine whose uh, rape case was dropped because they didn't have any DNA evidence, mm. which is rather disturbing, you know, because there was a lot of other evidence to show that she was. So I don't know where that. But that, that you think you find that Ivan? It always I guess we don't hear. I don't hear a lot about. I don't hear a lot about the people uh, like ca- like cases being solved. <laughs> we, you know, you probably you know what probably why because that's probably not news. Yeah, news is the crime. News You're is the bad right. part. That's not mm-hmm. news. So who cares? Yeah, that's, that's true. You I hear mean, about the yeah. cases that fall apart. Yeah, yeah. you right. never you yeah. never hear about stuff like right. that. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, in, actu- in actuality, <laughs> uh, in actuality on this, we have uh, especially with federal courts, they now have what are better known as shill federal uh, juries, who uh-huh. and the and the conviction rate is 98%. That is impossible. We in this city alone... This is a conspiracy as well? Well, indeed, uh, when you try to break it down to what they're doing with the society in general... Who's they exactly? Well, we're looking at the (laughs) powers that be, as it were. Okay. Uh, No, I mean, you've got to admit that things are wrong. I mean, we've got some problems going on. But if you break this down, just look at it in this uh, uh, spectrum, uh, the United States has more people in jail than all the rest of the world combined. In the United States, the state of Louisiana has more people in jail per capita than all the rest of the country. And in, in the state of Louisiana, New Orleans has the highest incarceration rate. So we're, we're number one. Yeah, we're number one. <laughs> we're number so we one. Have the highest, we have the highest proportion of people in jail of any city in the world. Any, that's correct. You never heard that before. Is it that something I've, that people talk about that? Anna? Well, now, and it's it's one of the it's one of the pluses about being in an academic environment is that now um, you get paid I'm, anyway. Well, there's that, but um, no. More importantly, you know, I and my students are now involved. You know, we work with Loyola Law Clinic. We work with Tulane Law Clinic, um, and there there are some serious social justice issues in our criminal justice system right now. I'll be the first person to talk about that. It's one of the nice things about being a scientist is I just provide you the information. It's up to the jury and the judge to come to the decision. But it's I, there's absolutely, there's definitely something wrong when this much of our population is incarcerated. Given that we're the number one murder capital of the country as well. Yes. Are we this year? I'm not sure if this year. We probably we're, should make we're, it. We're always up it's, there in winter. It's already <laughs> almost <laughs> November. <laughs> so. But I mean, doesn't that also statistically kind of make sense? If we have more crime than anywhere else, we would have more people in jail than anywhere else. Well, indeed. Well, when you have, again, a breakdown of society where you have authorities uh, arming the criminals because a lot of this gun runner and fast and furious thing, it wasn't just the guns we gave to Mexico. They found that they've given drug, uh, guns to the drug lords in Miami, Tampa, Florida, Detroit, Pittsburgh. Why? This would, is all why, why? Why? Why would the United States government arm oh, drug runners? I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. <laughs> I am so glad you asked. Because, again, why would they do this? Well, yeah. I, I, but this is all documented. I mean, this is nothing that I'm pulling okay, out so of my head. Okay, so what's the answer? Well, it's a, called problem, reaction, solution. You create the problem, cl- control the reaction, then come in with the solution. The solution was, and indeed, in order for a, to overthrow a country like ours, it takes a long-range plan. And one of the things you need overthrow to Overthrow the United States of America? Yes. Wow. Who's, who's overthrowing? Well, when you look at Clear the inside, channel. there's enemies from the inside and the out. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, who, you know, it didn't take, it, it took more than just one group of people to pull off 9 11. So when you yeah, look this at This is the that, problem with the whole conspiracy theory itself, though. I mean, and just the generalization about conspiracies, 
every conspiracy takes a lot of different people who have to work in this thing together to make a conspiracy, right? Well, so you have to believe that a number of disparate people can work together takes, to pull it off. It takes more than 10 minutes that would be allotted to explain it. But in the, um, in the nutshell here is what we're looking at is this, this system has been corrupted and the people that it used to be, they used to have under the stairwell have now come out of the stairwell and they're in charge of things. The crazies have taken over the asylum. Taken over the well, asylum. Who are we talking about? Obama. Oh, Obama. All presidents, probably from Kennedy, uh, have been nothing more than puppets. Uh, they're probably no more than uh, you know Burger King managers. They get told what to do. They really don't make. Wouldn't policy. it be funny if Herman Cain becomes the president? He really was almost. Well, Herman Cain. Let's pray he doesn't, because he comes from the Federal Reserve Bank. They'd be like, "Well, and we just shoot ourselves in the foot right now." You know, why, why, head, haven't, really. hey, why haven't you shot yourself? I'm. Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm way too scared to do that. I'm a coward. I can't, <laughs> you know, are don't you kidding me? I'm, I'm waiting, for, I mean, I'm waiting for the police to do it. I, want to, you know, I don't want to become a martyr. I but mean, don't you, isn't life just unbearable for you, though, thinking that everything is against you constantly? Actually, it's my love of life that makes me go out here and do this. It's, it's, the, it's what I see around me and, and, and everything I look at. I, I mean, I smile. I'm at this, Especially at this stage of my life, getting up is a joy. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's the love of my life, to be able to go ahead and, and send this love out to perpetuate it, to keep it going. It's what he does in his music. It's what she does in her job. It's what you do in our job. It's what we're doing here to, because we have been hoodwinked. We have been lied to, and we're in a desperate situation. There are going to be people that are going to stand up to this. Not everybody. Not everybody's got the, uh, the ability. Not everybody's, you know, got the courage to do it. Because, but it has always been a small group of people throughout history that have, been, that have changed the course of history by being able to stand up and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. When the American Revolution started, it, only 2% of the people were fighting it at the beginning. At its height, 12% of the people fought the, uh, the biggest empire in the world, and we beat them. Let's come back and talk about that in just a minute, about where we're going to go with this revolution that we're all part of now that you're saying is the second, the second revolution oh, yes, you've been absolutely. involved with in your lifetime. But, but I was thinking, you know, looking at this dumpster funk record, that there's a, there's a line on this record of yours, Ivan, that kind of uh, explains it, everything. We ought to know better. Yeah. That's a, what, that's where does that come from? What to know better? That's a song. It's about um, yeah. It's about uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Kind of. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the premise. And it was um, the original idea of, of the song uh, came about from from uh, my cousin Ian. Actually, a little guitar riff. And I had an idea for for for, for some melodic stuff. And a friend of ours was by the name of Warren Haynes. I, I wanted somebody to bounce some stuff off of, so I sent Warren a copy of it, and he wrote some lyrics, and and I had tweaked the lyrics a little bit, and, made, and this is the song called We Ought to Know Better. Ought to Know Better. Dumpster Funk. Let's yeah. take a listen to it.
was in motion Caught in the act In the name of freedom They stabbed us in the back Before the eyes were gone With a wink and a nod They tell us how We're on the right track Don't you feel our freedom Slipping away It's getting harder and harder To believe a word they say Trying to keep us in our place It's time we all join the human race We all in this together Anything else is a disgrace oh, We ought to know better Puppets in action Giving it all they got One said to the other It ain't worth getting shot Suspicions Cause they'll never know what hit them And we can ride this horse huh, Till it drops Don't you feel our freedom Slipping away It's getting harder and harder To believe a word they say Excuses, no more lies. Down here in New Orleans, it's still raining on us. I heard the cavalry's coming. Maybe someone we could trust. This long road we travel, but maybe change is finally come. Keep your head up. They keep lying to our face We ought to know better Still trying to keep us in our place We've been here forever It's time we all join the human race We all in this together Anything else is a damn disgrace It's gonna get better
dumpster funk. Amen. We ought to know better. Michael DeBarry, yeah. you say that's the theme song for the revolution. Oh, yes, it, yeah. When it gives you chills, you know it's a good song. You know, I mean, really. What do you think, Ivan, when you wrote that? Did you know what you were writing? Um, yeah, actually, yeah. We were, you know, um, thinking about where we were. I mean, this is this was like a lot of a lot of songs that this band has written were born out of Katrina, of post Katrina. I mean, and a lot of it was inspired by people's struggles and whatnot and, and where we are and, and looking at the things that, that have gone on and like, like like some of the some of the conspiracy theories that, that this that this gentleman I mean just uh, everybody thinks of stuff we all think of things, you know, of of stuff that um that's unexplainable. That's uh, that you know that that's not there's a lot of truths out there that would would we, we want to find. We need you know what I'm saying? And but it does, so the chorus does say it's going to get some, better. Though. No, the chorus does say that, and that's that's just my positive nature. You know what I'm saying? You don't believe it? I do, do believe, believe it. it. I do believe it. I do believe Absolutely. it. If I didn't, I, you know, I, no, I would, I would be, it would be hopeless. I, mean, look, I would be, I would be. Yeah. I think we're back to the why don't we shoot ourselves no. question. No, no but yeah. see, that's why well, we ought to know better, and it's going to get better because we got to do something to make it better. What obviously. are we going to? What are we going to do? Absolutely. What are we going to do? Well. The first thing to do is get involved. I mean, you, we, what's happened is we've become distracted. We went through an age here where people were easily distracted because we went through a period of abundance. They use that against us. They, you know, we're now, uh, and especially in this town, this town might be the hardest one to be an activist in because if you don't put a tutu on, a mask, and give free beans and rice, you know, it, or, or have some music, it's, you know, it's like, what's in it? Is there any music? Uh, well, you've got people sitting here. You, I mean, I have a microphone. I can, I, I can do things every week. Ivan's on the road with a hugely mm-hmm. popular band with thousands and thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of followers. Mm-hmm. And as a professor at a university and talking to people all the time, do, do we all each have a responsibility yes. to do something? Yes. Because and what would you tell us to do? Well, we're doing it because, I mean, I walk around with these flyers. I pass them out in grocery store lines. I walk down the street. I hand them out. The press is not doing it for us. The press is, co- is corrupted. Uh, as they say, they're not telling us the truth. You don't hear about the truth of 9-11 on the press. You don't get the truth on the news anymore. No, at it's all. propaganda. You get, well, you get well, opinion. No, you know what? The, it, the, the, ever since I mean, ever since I can remember, a lot of the things that we were fed in, as history and stuff like that, we were fed a bunch of crap, a That's bunch it. of it. All lies. You know, and then we were fed someone's version of this and that. You know, and we were told certain things about mm-hmm. certain people, so we could feel a certain way. Now, I don't know whether they meant well. By just, you, you, you know, or, or whether they're all was, full of, you it know. It was on purpose. You know, it, <laughs> well, well there you go, you know. There it you was go. on all purpose. All right, I believe that. I believe when that. You, when you take away or destroy a country of our size, uh, the first thing you do, and this is proven uh, through democracy, has been destroyed, through, destroyed throughout history. The very first thing you do is you usurp and overtake the educational system. And then you wind up uh, creating a lot of educated idiots who teach a lot of wrong concepts. Not you, no, of no, course. No, no, I tell you what, I would, I would agree with you on, <clears throat> on, excuse me, on two things. The first is I think the foundation of all of the problems that we're talking about is the educational system across Amen. the board. Yeah. It's the problem with the crime. It's the Amen. problem with the lack of political Amen. involvement. Amen. I mean, that's the foundation. Right, so. And then secondarily to that, it's it's. Yes, those of us that are in a position because we're in front of a microphone singing because we've got people's attention because we're teaching people, 
yeah, I think we have a responsibility to talk about things. But more importantly, and I think it really, this really sort of binds together everything that we've been talking about, is the responsibility that people have to pay attention. Whether or not Amen. you believe everything that Michael has said, whether or not you enjoy listening to Ivan's music, whether or not you're taking any of my classes, pay attention. And that's what I think the Occupy movements really have behind them, is this idea that maybe you don't know the answers. Shouldn't you be asking the questions? That, you know. Yeah. yeah, you know what? And that's, that's something that's one of the most simple, um, basic things that I've heard, I heard a long time ago is there's no such thing as a dumb question. Exactly. And people are, a lot of people are blind because they, they refuse to open their eyes. Some people would rather pretend they know something to look cool than to say, I don't know that. What, what did you mean by saying that? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. there's a, there's, and I'm imagine there's everybody's uh, 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 the, the peer pressure and whatnot, you know, and, and, and people, people's opinions. Some, a lot, I look at a lot of people and I say, what do you really think? Or you just, you're, you're, you're basing what you think about something on what you think you should think because somebody else yep. feels that way about it. And that's what society tells us. And that's what, why the media, <laughs> And, and they tell, you know, they, they feed you all this. That's why negativity, that's why reality shows are so popular. <laughs> People like to see dysfunctional, you know, somebody hoarders and all this crazy stuff they show. <laughs> People watch this, all this if, stuff. If I had one thing you know? I could do to say uh, break free, it would be throw away your TVs. I mean, Just quit and watching. I, you know, I've got to say, you. I'm guilty. I love watching TV. I've got to agree but, with you. I but, know I should. On, but. On, on another note, when y'all were talking about the education and stuff like that, I, I remember when I was when I was in junior high school, going into high school, during that time, and this was in the uh, the, the late 60s, early 70s, right? Now I'm showing, telling you how old I am, okay? Um, I graduated in the late 70s, right? high school. So, But there was a time I saw, I saw, I saw some stuff when I was a kid. I didn't really totally understand it, but I saw, like, the whole Kennedy, the, the assassinations of, of John F. Kennedy, of, of Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, all that stuff. Now, we were told certain things about all of those events, and we mm -hmm. were told certain things. Mm -hmm. we, we, didn't, we were not given information, oh, and that, to me, has been the problem that I see that the problem that, that we, as a, as a people, face. We don't, we're not given information, no, give you an and then we don't seek you know, we don't ask for it. We, exactly. We just take whatever they give us, and then we just go with that. We're going to have to come back here to discuss the Kennedy assassination. Oh, my. oh I'm looking forward to that. On another occasion. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there. We, we haven't got to 9-11 at I'm all sorry, yet. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's easy. We, we, unfortunately, we have to get out of here. Yeah. So oh. we're not wow. going to get to any more of these subjects. But why, oh, don't we, why don't we all come back and do part two again? Oh, love that. Because okay. we've just scratched the surface here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I think we, need to, we can pick up next time with 9-11. This piece of paper here, the whole, and then and perhaps if we get back together in like in a month or two, maybe the beginning of next year or something. Something. What should have happened by then? By the say we all meet again at the beginning of next year in January yeah. of two thousand and twelve. Michael Dabari, what should have happened? What would we expect to have, the revolution to have got to by then? And then we'll see how far we've got when we get back. Well, here. and uh, I'm using a, um, uh, not Trotsky said this, but it was the. Uh, but this quote, I can't remember who said it, it said, there are things that happen in history in a short span of time that hadn't happened for a long, long time. And we're heading into some changes in a very short period of time that 
I can't even uh, speculate on. I hope we get to that point. I hope I get to come back here and tell you, oh boy, we won. You know, we, are we, we going to see something? We see Hillary in jail. Oh boy, are we? Are we going to see anything by January when we? <laughs> oh yes, I think I think before the okay. end. Of, I think before the end of this year, we're going to see okay, the economy so collapse. The economy is going to collapse by the end of this year. Yeah, okay, I so we've got. That. So should we do Christmas shopping or just blow that off completely? I, I, I buy as much silver and gold as I could and hoard some food. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we're all going to meet all back right. here in January. Okay, we'll see, Ivan, can you yeah. do it? You can I'll, come I'll, back in I'll January. So, yeah. Anna, yeah. you can do it. Sure, and I'll bring Michael. food to trade. Yeah. Bring food to trade. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, and I'll and just plug uh, every Wednesdays at the Healing Center. I go into depth about this in my classes at seven thirty. Okay, uh, we've got yeah. links to. We're going to have yeah. links to all you guys on our website as yeah. well. Hey, thank you so much for joining us here on Happy Hour, Michael Dubari, the conspiracy expert, has thank been you my for guest, having me along with Anna Duggar, the director of forensic chemistry at Loyola University, and Ivan Neville from Dumpster Funk. Our show was recorded live at the Collins Hotel in New Orleans. If you're coming down to the Collins, come and stay here. If you're coming to New Orleans, if you're already here, come and have a drink. And if you're looking for something to do in New Orleans and you're headed here from out of town, you want to book a hotel or a tour, or you need tips on what to do when you're here, check in with our friends at neworleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. The producers of our show have been Melinda Hawes and Trish Kaufman. Our executive producer is Tanya Castellanos. Mitch Fly as our technical director. And our live stream engineer has been Chris Kehoe. Our music director is Christian Unruh. And our web designer and our link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Mitch Foreman wrote and is playing our theme music. If you'd like to be on the show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. We're here live at the columns every Thursday at 4. You can check out our other shows on our website, itsneworleans.com. There's plenty more happy hours and there's Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti and Kathy Finn and Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Paycheck as well. You can keep up with us by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, and subscribing to our podcasts on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Until next time we meet on Happy Hour here at the Columns, I'm Grant Morris. Bye. <laughs>